Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. I'm Carrick Butler, the pastor of Faith Christian Center. Thanks for tuning in today. We believe today's message is going to help you live this lifestyle of faith. It's going to empower you to live a life that makes Jesus famous wherever you go. Open up your heart. We know God has something special just for you. And we believe that as you listen to today's message, something good is going to happen to you. So listen up. I'll talk to you today at the end of our broadcast. Go with me to Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. one of our text scriptures from the series we're in right now called The God Spectrum. Matthew chapter 5 verse 14 it says you are the light of the world. Right now you are the light of the world. So if you don't like how dark the world is it's your job to do something about it. If you don't like how dark the world around you is it is your job to do something about it. You are the light of the world. Jesus goes on and says, A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it gives light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. I like how it says it in that message version. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I put you there on a hilltop on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By open up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Now go with me to Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 28. This is Ezekiel having an encounter with God, seeing the glory of God manifested. Brightness everywhere. The way a rainbow springs out of the sky on a rainy day. That's what it was like. It turned out to be the glory of God. Brightness everywhere. The way a rainbow springs out of the sky on a rainy day. That's what it was like. It turned out to be the glory of God. I'm going to read it from the New Living this time. From what appeared to be his waist up, he looked like gleaming amber, flickering like a fire. And from his waist down, he looked like a burning flame, shining with splendor. All around him was a glowing halo, like a rainbow shining in the clouds on a rainy day. This is what the glory of the Lord looked like to me. When I saw it, I fell face down on the ground, and I heard someone's voice speaking to me. 
So when Ezekiel is seeing the glory of God, he's describing it as a bright light and similar to a rainbow, how it springs out of a cloud. And I want to tell you this today. That's not just how God wants to be seen when he's encountered. God wants you to be seen that way when you're encountered. Because it's his glory in you and his glory on you. That's how we're the light of the world, not by our own human effort, not by our own human good deeds. It's because of the glory of God that he put on the inside of us. When you read John 17, Jesus said, the glory that my father has given me, I have given you. So the same glory that was in Jesus, and you read John 2, it says he manifested his glory. That same glory we see here in Ezekiel 1 is what's in you right now. Now, whether people see it described as that or it manifests in different ways, it doesn't matter how it manifests. It's just your job to manifest it. It's your job to be light. It's your job to go out there and say, you know what, the glory is in me. I'm going to make a difference. Go to Isaiah chapter 60. Isaiah chapter 60. Isaiah 60 verse 1. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And so, by the same things, because he's talking to a group of people here, but it still applies to us, your light has come. You're the light of the world, so you need to shine. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Notice, the glory is also on you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. So we see a time of darkness, but even as a time of gross deception or gross darkness on the people. But the Lord shall arise upon you, and his glory shall be seen upon you. And what's the result of that? And the Gentiles, the people who do not know God, shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. The glory that's on you should bring people to Jesus. The glory that's on you right now should bring people to Jesus. Now, so yesterday, so I was, you know, I was planning to minister this before, and then yesterday I saw this perfect example. Now, I have, I'm a dad of three girls. And so I had this running joke for years that, you know, there's so much glitter and sparkles on my house, I don't even ask where it comes from. I got three girls. It's going to come from somebody. I'm just used to it being on me. But yesterday, I actually knew who it came from. So my four-year-old had this shirt she really liked. She likes the sparkles and the glitter on it. And I guess it was a newer shirt because, you know, the glitter and sparkles still go everywhere. And so she put that on, and of course, it's all over her, and it was on her shirt, now it's on her arms and everything, and then she's with her, you know, two-year-old sister, and the glitter and the sparkles get on her. And then she's with her older sister, and it gets on her. And then it gets on my wife, and then it gets on me. But what was interesting, what Lexi was doing, my four-year-old, anytime the glitter or the sparkles got on somebody, she renamed them. And when she did it, it hit me. She was saying, Ellie, see, now you're not just Ellie, you got the sparkles, you're Sparkle Ellie. Ari, you got the sparkles, you are Sparkle Ari. 
Mommy, you got the sparkles. You're sparkle mommy. Now, Daddy, you're going to get some sparkles too, and then you're going to be sparkle daddy. And so she's renaming us because of the sparkles or the glitter that's on us. If a four-year-old can do this, and the glory's on you, see, you're not just you. You've got the glory. See, you did have a name change. You were called Christian, Christ-like. Or even when he said it out, little Christ, little anointed one. The glory is on you. It should change how people identify you. And if they get close enough to you, it rubs off on them. Just like it rubbed off on everything. From my four-year-old shirt. To where people could see it. The glory should be on you that people can say, there's something different about that person. When they walk in, things change. When they walk in, peace comes. And see, the thing is, you already have it. You just have to be aware of it. You already have the glory. You just have to be aware of it. You know, I saw this example from uh, Bill Johnson earlier this week, and it's a powerful example, talking about how the Holy Spirit is pictured as a dove when he comes upon Jesus. didn't say he was a dove, but it used that example of how the Holy Spirit came upon him. Now, if the if a dove was on your shoulder and you wanted to keep the dove there, how would you walk? How would you walk? Talk back to me. Gently, I heard. Carefully, others. You know how you would walk? Aware of the dove. Every step would be with the dove in mind. Every step would be where, you know what? The dove's there. I don't do anything that would cause the dove to lift off. You have to understand the Holy Spirit the very glory of God is upon you for others. He's within you for you, but he's on you for others. So when we walk in awareness of the Holy Spirit upon us, not saying he's flighted like a dove, but we're operating in awareness of him, in awareness of the glory that's in us and on us. When we walk in different places, it'll change. He was talking about a uh, certain health food store he goes into. He said, you know, there's different type of health food stores. And he says, this one was one of the ones that had a whole lot of other new age people in there. And so the thing is, we weren't going in an attitude, oh, we're judging what they're doing is wrong. We're just going, on there, going in there aware of the dove. And so one of the owners came to him and said, it's different when you walk in. And it's not like he was the only Christian who's ever walked in. He's the one who walked in aware of what he had. I'm not saying you're better than another Christian. I just want you to be aware of what you have. Not what you're trying to get, what you have right now. The glory of God is on you. So be aware. Walk in awareness. You're glorified. You're glorious. You're people of the glory. Be aware. Expect things to change when you walk in. Yes, it may cause some strange situations to happen, but you can handle it. Come on, Jesus walked in cities and demons get freaked out. He didn't say nothing. They just start yelling. They sensed him. So don't be too concerned. You walk in places as people start acting out. Don't get in the flesh. 
Just be aware. What if someone starts manifesting? Rebuke it. They cross the line, you handle it with the authority you've been given. See, sometimes we look at all these viral videos, and sometimes there are people who do have mental challenges, and then you have some people who are bigoted and hateful. Some people just possessed. Do you know what go viral? Someone started manifesting, and you rebuked it, and they stopped. Now, that'd be everywhere. So resist the devil, because what's on you is greater than him. Live aware that you are the light of the world. Live aware that the glory is on you. And you're supposed to be more contagious than a virus. The glory that's on you should impact others just because you walked in. And they may not even know why they had no contact with you, but they leave feeling different. Because what was on you rubbed off on them. And they don't even know why they feel different, but they go home and start hearing God talk to them. Because you walk by. Because you are aware of what you carry. That what's on you and what's in you is greater than what's in the world. What's on you, what's in you, is greater than the light affliction we're facing right now. I'm not saying you have to be spooky. I'm not saying you have to be deep. I'm just saying, be aware. Be aware. The glory is on you. Be aware. The glory is in you. Things should change when you show up. Because you are the light of the world. You are anointed. Say, I am anointed. Say, I am the light of the world. Say, the glory of God is within me and upon me. Holy Spirit, help me to live aware of the glory that you've put on me. Minister JJ. Praise God. I am actually going to pick up and piggyback off of where Pastor left off. We've been talking for the last several weeks about the fruit of the Spirit, and Pastor just amplified uh, what I was going to share this morning. And the fruit that we're, I am covering, excuse me for just a moment, the fruit that I am covering is called goodness. So tap your neighbor, say neighbor. We're learning about goodness. Find another neighbor, say good morning neighbor. We're learning about goodness. I want you to quickly turn with me to Psalm number 107, because in order for us to understand how to walk in goodness, we have to see a little bit more specifically about who God is. And it tells us here in Psalm number 107, and actually we're going to look first at Psalm number 106. So Psalm 106, verse or stanza number one, and it says, praise ye the Lord. Let's try that again. Praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise ye the Lord. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is, can anybody see that? He is what? 
Excellent. Thank you, Ari. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Then when you look at Psalm number 107, which should be just one page over, it says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is what? For his mercy endureth forever. And as you look through Psalm number 107, if you look at verse 8, it says the same thing, or it says something similar. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Well, what we saw in Psalm number 106, Psalm number 107, both stanza one, is that God is good. It's who he is. Now, I know the boys and girls, some boys and girls started school last week, and some are starting this week, and some are starting in the, uh, the days to come. And so we know that when we want to describe something, or you're asking a question, or you're telling a story, you want to tell the who, what, where, when, why, and how. And so when you're looking at Father God, you can answer every single one of those questions describing who he is. Who is he? He's good. How is he? He's good. When is he? Good all the time. Where is he? Good. Any place that you look to understand about God, you're always going to come right back to the fact that he is what? He's good. It's almost like I have a little helper in here. I've got to find it. I don't want to show all my stuff too soon. But, okay, I've got a handy dandy. Sorry, there we go. I have a, or an apple. Now, this is a yummy, delicious apple, and I really want to cut into it and eat it. I may may or may not do it right now. Um, But if I cut into this apple, what's at the center? What's inside this apple? It's seeds, it has a core, but is it still going to be apple inside or is it going to be banana inside? It's going to be apple. Why? This is an apple. Is it ever going to change? Now, let's say I take my apple and I slice it and I dip it in some peanut butter. Is it still an apple? It's still an apple. What if I take this apple, sprinkle it with some cinnamon, some sugar, some vanilla, um, a little bit of water and some, you know, make a simple syrup and bake it into a nice tasty pie crust. Is it still apple? What if I decide to take it and smash it and make it into some applesauce? Is it still apple? So when you look at and you understand that God is good, there is nothing that will ever change the fact that that's who he is. At his very essence, he is good. He cannot change. He will not change. He is the same all the time. God is good. And so when you understand or try to walk in goodness, you have to first understand where that goodness came from. It came from Father. God. And so as we go on a little bit further, what pastor was sharing with us is that we are the light of the world. Actually, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's see. Go to Matthew. We're going to go back to Matthew. Matthew chapter 5 verse 16. Because see, when pastor was telling us about we are the light of the world or walking in the light and displaying that light, look at what it said in verse 16. This is an instruction for us. It says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Father God needs his goodness to be on display for all the world to see. 
What did Father God instruct us to do? Well, you have to understand God's order. Father God is good. Why did he send Jesus to the earth? He sent Jesus to the earth to be a mirror of himself. He wanted to show the world that he was and is good. So he sent Jesus. He said, listen, I'm going to put you in bodily form, and I want you to walk the earth so that when people are looking for a way to understand who I am and how I operate, they can look to you. And so what did Jesus do? While he walked the earth, he preached, he taught, he healed, he set free, he delivered. What was Jesus' purpose? He was constantly trying to draw people back to Father God. And so then what did Jesus do? Jesus then found disciples, and he trained them, and he called them, and he sent them out. What did he send them out to do? To preach, to teach, to heal. And so then when you understand what Jesus' responsibility was, let's quickly turn to Acts chapter 10, verse 38. The book of Acts, chapter 10, verse 38. Familiar passage of scripture to some, but it says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing what? Who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. And if I have more time, I could share with you how the anointing power that Jesus operated in, he disseminated that same anointing to his disciples. So he expected the healing power of God to go and to flow wherever there was a need. Well, that, that mandate did not end with Jesus because then he called us. And what did he need us to do? He needs us to do what it says in Matthew, excuse me, Matthew chapter 5. Go back to quickly to Matthew chapter 5. So we know that God is good. We understand that he sent Jesus to the earth to show his goodness. And then Jesus commanded his disciples. And then we were called just the same way that the disciples were called to do what? We'll see that here in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. It says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Father God wants the world to see something. See, this is, this is what you have to understand. You have to be a doer of good works. Why? He needs you to be out ministering healing. He needs you to be the one who's distributing good things or good food to those that are hungry. He needs you. He need, basically, he needs the world to see and understand beyond a shadow of a doubt that he is good. Because, see, here's the thing. When they see the good works that you do, what will happen? They give God glory. See, this is something else that you have to understand. And the, at the very end of Psalm number 23, what did it say? The 23rd Psalm says, surely goodness and, surely goodness and, surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days 
of your life. See, what did God want? God wanted you to be a factory of his goodness so that everywhere you go, it good, his goodness and mercy is following you. He needs the world to see good works coming from your hand because it's going to point them right back to him. It is the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. So if you're simply in a way of operating, that's only for your own benefit. And you're not pointing people back to Jesus. You're causing men to be on their way to hell. You need to do good works. We were commanded to. That is our mandate, to reflect the goodness of God to the entire world because it's going to draw men in to Father God. Something else as I close out. As I was studying this out, I, I began to understand that, you know, we learn in military terms that there is a front guard and there's a rear guard. See, a lot of times you can't understand what's going on or you can't see all the details because you're looking at the wrong thing. You're trying to find the details instead of focusing on God who's in front of you. But this is the significant part that I saw to understand what's really happening. You have God in front of you and all of his goodness. And then you're here. And so what does God do? God goes before you as that shield to protect you from every arrow that the enemy sends your way. And then he employs what in military terms is called a rear guard. What does the rear guard do? The rear guard serves to protect you from any attack and any enemy that is behind you that you can't see. What does that rear guard look like? Goodness and mercy. God has himself positioned before you. He has goodness and mercy behind you. So all you have to do is focus your eyes on him and, allow, and remember and allow him to always have your back. God has your back. He doesn't need you to look back to make sure he's there. He's there. He's always there. Your focus has to be on him. So what does he need you to do? While you're going about in that military battle, if you're disseminating his goodness, then people are being drawn in at the same time, understanding that the goodness of God leads men to repentance. So what will happen? When they see the goodness of God, it's like a dinner bell. They come running. They come pining after God, and you're protected all the while. Amen? That's my time. Thank you. Amen. Say goodness and mercy are following me all the days of my life. Go with me to 1 Corinthians 12. So ministry actually has been talking about the fruit of the Spirit, and I've been talking about the gifts of the Spirit. So let's go back to 1 Corinthians 12. Now last Sunday, if you are with us, we didn't follow the normal plan because the Holy Ghost had another plan. But he showed us different gifts that were manifesting. Now, the Bible lists nine gifts of the Spirit. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 4, now there are diversity of gifts, 
but the same Spirit. And there are differences of ministrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it's the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. So the gift of the Spirit is not given for your personal benefit, even though you will benefit from it. It's for everybody else's blessing. Another way to say it, the gifts of the Spirit are given so we can all profit together. The gifts of the Spirit makes us better together. It goes back to what I said earlier, the Holy Spirit is upon us for others, for others' benefit. And he begins to list the gifts again. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these works that one and selfsame Spirit divide into every man severally as he wills. So as we said before, the gifts operate as the Holy Spirit wants them to operate. Now the fruit of the Spirit you can operate in the fruit of the Spirit at any time. You can choose, I'm going to walk in love today. I'm going to choose to be faithful today. I'm going to choose to walk in peace today. I'm going to choose to walk in patience. You can choose it at any time. The grace gifts that Minister Reggie has been sharing with us in this series, you can do that at any time. Now, the gifts of the Spirit happen as He wants them to happen. The gifts of the Spirit operate as the Holy Spirit wants them to happen. Now, you can make yourself readily available so He can use you. There's different ways you can prepare to yield to it. We talked about how to operate in the gift of prophecy a couple weeks ago, sharing how that, you know, the gift of prophecy, the simple gift of prophecy, is not telling the future. It's speaking a supernatural message in a known language. That's for building up, encouraging, and strengthening, and comforting. And we saw how the Holy Spirit wants to use us in that. But all these gifts happen as he wants them to happen. You know, one of the things that was a privilege for me, I went to Oral Roberts University. And my first two years... I had a chance to watch Richard Roberts up close in person. He's the son of Oral Roberts. And so my freshman year, he taught a class called Charismatic Life and Healing. And so I was able to learn from him and watch how he flowed and operated. And I learned a lot from him, especially as he operated in the word of knowledge and the gifts of healing. And then, you know, graduated, went to Texas for a few years, came here, been here for seven years. And a few years ago, one of my best friends was in town. He was just coming in, he was watching, he was at the experience watching, and it was the time the word of knowledge was operating, I called out different things, laid hands on people, they got healed and kept moving with the experience. And so I went to sit down, and he said, all right, P-Rob, and that's what we call President Roberts. And I said, what are you talking about? He says, what you did is exactly what we saw him do in class every week. And I didn't realize what was on him got on me. And so, I look back to some of the things he would tell us in class because he's a super basketball fan. He loves basketball. And so he'd be talking about, man, we have this basketball game coming up and we just beat this team last week. This game's gonna be great. And he's talking about basketball, nothing spiritual yet. He hasn't got to what he's teaching. He's just talking about basketball. Hey, make sure you have the basketball game tonight. By the way, someone's knee is being healed. If you stand up, you'll see a knee. All right, cool, you're healed, great. Now back to basketball. One of the things he would always tell us is, is it, I can't control it. It happens as he wants it to happen. He says, there are days I want it to happen at the beginning. He says, I'll do it at the end. There are days I want it to happen at the end. He says, I'll do it at the beginning. There are other days he'll do it right in the middle. He says, it's as he wants it to operate. And so he was in uh, England one time, and he's being interviewed by a reporter. He says, well, how does the word of knowledge operate? And before he could respond, he said, you know that problem you have in your elbow? It's being healed right now. He said, how did you know I had a problem in my... He said, well, that's how it works. It operates as he wills. 
He's very willing. You just have to make yourself available for him to use you as he wants to use you. Amen? And so when it comes to the gifts of healing, notice how it says here. Gifts of healing. So everything else is listed, you know, the gift of this, the working of this, or is listed in the singular, but gifts is plural. So there's so many things you can look into it, and one of the things is I've studied different ministries, especially those who've operated in healing, some of them, for lack of a better term, specialize in one area. That, man, you got eye issues, you go to that meeting, your eyes are going to be better. Man, you got back issues, you walk in there, you can be better. What happened? The Holy Spirit says, I'm going to put this operation of the gift of healing in them, and that's how it's going to operate. Now, one of the things we talk about, the gifts of healing, the work of the miracles, and the gift of special faith, those are what we call power gifts, or gifts that do something. Now, as the gifts of healing operate, sometimes it operates through the vessel, someone calling out through the word of knowledge, that is what God is doing. Other times, it just happens in the room. You know, you're just in the room where it happens, and you get healed. And so one of the things you see, you know, learning from watching when Benny Hinn will come to town. I had a friend who I went to school with, and he says, I traveled with him, and I saw it happen all the time. People would get healed, and they weren't even near him. They didn't even know he was in the city, and they just, like, oh, I feel better. What happened? He was aware of the glory he carried. And so the gifts of healing would begin to operate. The head of security at a church in Austin, I remember him telling the story during one of our staff meetings, how, you know, he was going to the meeting and, you know, he had injured his foot working out or doing something, and his foot was just in pain. And so, you know, he was walking in and standing in line, his foot was hurting, but, you know, he wasn't setting his faith to be healed. He wasn't even thinking about that. And so, you know, if you've ever been to a Brother Hand Crusade, it's going to go three, four hours, maybe more. Not even saying how much you stood in line. And so he's walking after it's over, walking back to the car, and then realize, hey, my foot doesn't hurt anymore. He didn't know when he got healed. He was just in the room where it happens. And so when I was thinking about healing, especially when we began to shelter in place, and think about how the gifts of healing operate and praying, well, Father, I want to see it happen even when people sheltered in place and people get healed, and we've seen testimonies of that. But when I began to say, we call these things healing meetings, and it's not wrong to call them a healing meeting. But as I began to study it out, it's not, it's not just a healing meeting, it's a meeting of mercy. Because there are people who get healed who have no faith at all. They can't even describe what happened. They said, well, I felt bad, now I feel good. What happened? The glory of God was just moving through the gifts of healing. And so there are times that you'll see me call it out. Some things I'll just say in general speaking life and speaking over your body because the Bible says we could. Other times we'll be prompted by the Spirit. And so sometimes how the Word of Knowledge works in my life where, and I remember when I studied it out, man, this is what Dr. Roberts said as well, is that I'll feel some type of, it's not a pain, but a discomfort to where I'll say someone's neck is being healed right now because I feel some type of issue in the neck. Or someone's lungs, I feel something in my lungs. And there's other times, I don't know what it's called, I says it's in this general area. Because I didn't study out biology and all this stuff as an advanced degree. I was a media major. But God still heals. And so what happened, I've, I don't know if it was uh, Brother John Francois, someone said, you know, he says, what's happening, and I believe it was true, says, an angel is touching you in those spots and letting you know what's going on. And angels do operate in the glory of God. One of the things when I studied out a man of God named William Branham, who especially operated with God in the earlier part of his life, in the midlife, he got off in the end. But in his ministry, when he was flowing with God, 
he would talk about how an angel would come to the meeting and stand on the stage with him. And he says, I won't start praying for the sick until that angel shows up because that's what God told me to do. And anytime that angel showed up, marvelous things happened. People got healed. And so although, you know, we're so used to the natural and what we can see, there are angels all throughout this room. Every believer has at least one. But when the glory comes in, angels go with the glory. You read Ezekiel, you see angels who are assigned to escort the glory in. And so whenever we gather together, whether it's in person or online, expect the glory to manifest. Because, you know, people, if you've been here a while, you've heard us use the phrase, the corporate anointing. How many have ever heard us say that phrase before, the corporate anointing? Well, what is the corporate anointing? The anointing that's within you and upon you combines with the anointing that's within you, within someone else, and upon them, and it creates this corporate atmosphere. And as you set your faith, you receive from it. There's days that's stronger than others. And there's days where it'll be strong, but it's not a day where we have something like last Sunday where we kind of just worship the whole time. That glory cloud is still here, but he wants us to teach. And one of the things I realized, you know, about a, over a decade ago, I was doing some revival meetings in um, Missouri, and there were times where the Holy Ghost would move strong. And then it'd be next, he's still there, but he doesn't want us to do what we did the previous time. He just wants us to teach. And I began to realize that as we teach, we can go higher. You know, I love the knock them out, drag them out experiences like everyone else. But that's not supposed to be every Sunday. That's part of the time. But also notice what Jesus did. He went around preaching, teaching, and healing. Preaching, teaching, healing, all of that. So what do we do? We live aware. We may have our plan. If he wants to change it, go for it. It's his show. You know, one of the things I said after I was installed, I said, I want you guys to understand this. This ain't the Carrick Butler show. This ain't the Raquel Butler show. We're here to lift up Jesus and let the Holy Ghost do what he wants to do. Because when you give the Holy Ghost five minutes, he can do more than you can do in five years. So yes, it's good to have a plan, but it's also good to yield. So you come up with your plan, do that, but as you carry it out, you stay sensitive or you stay aware. And there are different times, since I'm still on the subject of being aware, that I could have missed it just like that. Now, it would have been a bad experience. People would have still been blessed. The word's anointed. People were encouraged. Praise and worship was tremendous. But on the inside, I hear, there's a tongue. No, 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 on the inside. No, it's time to prophesy. It's just inside. I could have said, well, I'm tired. I'm hungry. They hungry. We all hungry. And he's like, well, let's just close it down. But we yield. And someone was blessed. I remember there were times in Dallas. I think I flew in to teach in Bishop's School of Ministry when his school was there. And, you know, Bishop finished, you know. If you know Bishop, he's probably preaching three or four cities that week or that day, depending on the day. And, you know, he was done minister's message, but not one of us moved. Like he said, well, I'm done, y'all can go, and none of us moved. And he just looked at us. None of his ministers moved, none of the congregation moved. He's like, well, he says, well, maybe y'all know something I don't. Let's pray in the Holy Ghost for a second. And God went, whew. 
Just yield it. He was like, oh, I'm done saying what I have to say. And then we yield it, and God did something. So you must live aware. Because these things happen as he wants to happen. And as you yield, he can do more through you. And more around you. People can get healed. You just walk in the room. You'll meet someone, and on the inside, you hear this word of encouragement for them. It's a prophecy. But it's only a couple words. And he's like, oh, no, I'm, I'm in a rush. No, I don't want to be the weird one. I don't want to be the weird Christian. Just live aware and give it out. You might say, well, they made, it doesn't seem like it did anything. That's not your job to make you do anything. It's your job to yield and say what he gives you to say. I think I'll close here. I remember Brother Copeland giving this story many times, how a number of decades ago, he was uh, invited. He has this person, I guess, who became a partner with his ministry who owned a hotel in Vegas. And, you know, they said, you know what? I want you to have a meeting right in the hotel. So in the midst of the casino, he says, you're going to have a meeting. And so he's walking through. He's dressed and walking through. He has to go through the casino to get the area. And the Lord says, I want you to give that couple standing over there a message from me. And so, you know, he went up and says, you know, introduce him. I'm a minister of the gospel, and I believe the Lord wants me to share some with you. They said, of course, share. And so he ministered to them, and they said, well, thank you. And they walked away. He's like, I know I didn't miss it. Maybe I'd get him later. And so he's trying to figure out what happened. But then someone comes up behind him and taps him on the back, and I can't do the dramatic storytelling that he does. And if you ever heard Brother Cobra minister, he has a, another layer of drama and, and impersonations he does. But this man came up to him, and he was drunk out of his mind. And he said, can I speak to you for a second? He said, I heard what you told them. And he pulled him aside and he says, can we go meet over here? And he says, I'm a backslidden Pentecostal preacher. But what you said to them opened my heart. Can you pray for me? Now remember, he's drunk out of his mind. Brother Copeland lays hands on him and he sobers up like that. He repents just like that and goes to do what God has called him to do. Now that only happened because he yielded to minister over there. Some of you say, well, God, I want you to use me in this big way. Anybody pray that prayer before? God, I want you to use me in a big way. Well, yield. Yield in the small things. It may be simple. Let that person go in front of you. No, I've been in this grocery store too long. I'm tired of wearing this mask. I'm ready to get home. These people are getting on my nerves, Jesus. No, no. You see everything that's in their cart? Do you know how long it's going to take? Do you know how long it takes now? I didn't even want to come to this grocery store place, but I only came here because Amazon messed up my order. And, you know, DoorDash, I can't count on them. And, da -da. and you got all these reasons why you don't want to yield. But if he's telling you to yield, he's setting you up for something. Whether it happens in that grocery store or not, it just might have changed your timing just a little bit. And then now you're in the right place at the right time. Not just for you to be blessed, but for you to bless someone else. Because you yielded and you are aware. That's how you operate in the gifts of the Spirit. You just yield. You're aware. You listen. You expect. And then when he says, I want to do that, go. He says, what if he doesn't say anything? Then you just keep living your life. If he tells you to do something, do it. Because seven of the nine gifts are not just meant for the church house. They're meant for you to, in your life. 
two of the nine gifts, diverse kinds of tongues, and interpretation of tongues are meant for the gathering of believers. Now, sometimes it'll operate in your prayer life, but it's meant for the gathering of believers like we saw last Sunday. But the other seven of the nine is for your everyday life. And it's not just for the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, super prayer warrior. It's for every believer. You just have to be open. Just live aware that God wants to use you. That God wants to talk through you. That you are God's hands and feet in this earth. That if he wants to do something, he's going to do it through you. You know, people say all the time as well, you know, if God is good, why are these things happening in the world? Well, one, there's an enemy. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And there are evil people. There are people who yield to the devil. But maybe, just maybe, more things happen in the world because the church hasn't yielded. Like God says, I have an answer, but I don't have someone to yield. Then he said, the eyes of the Lord search to and fro throughout the earth on whom he can show himself strong. He's just looking for someone to yield. You know, that was originally given to a king who had yielded before and wasn't yielding later. Why? In the beginning, he was in a situation that he had nobody who could help him but God. He was facing an army that he could not fight. And he says, well, trust God. He can save whether by small or or with great army. And he believed God, and God delivered him and rewarded him. But later on, he's like, now I got a little bit more experience under my belt. I've lived life a little bit. I got some money. I'm going to do things my way. And so he didn't yield. And he missed out on what God could have done. Look to him. Be aware of him. You know, we're aware of a lot of things these days. You know, we're more aware of germs than we've ever been aware before. Some of you have always been super germ conscious. You know, my wife has always been super germ conscious. She's all, you know, she's always been that way. So, by marriage, I'm always aware of stuff. But now there's billions of us who were never aware before. We are now aware. You never thought of before if somebody coughed, but today if someone coughs, what are you? Aware. Some of you were never aware of politics until it took over Twitter. And you got heads of state beefing with each other. Now you are aware. You just need to make yourself aware of the good things. Make yourself aware of the glory. Make yourself aware of the goodness of God. Make yourself aware of the covenant God has given you. Because then you'll notice things. Just like you notice people who don't have gloves on. Or you notice you know, how someone drives. You know, have you ever been wanting a certain car and then all of a sudden, it's everywhere? Now, they didn't just print 10,000 more cars off the line and run them off just to fill your area. They were always there. You're just aware. The glory's on, you just need to be aware. He wants to operate through you, you just need to be aware. He wants to deliver people through you, you just need to be aware. Live aware. That's what you have to do.
And you know the thing about sin? It makes you not aware. Why? Because with sin comes condemnation. And when you sin, what do you do? You're like, oh man, now I'm not worthy for God to use me. I messed up. I got to pay my penance. I got to wait weeks before God can use me, and that's not scriptural. The Bible says if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So you mess up, you will mess up. There's only one person who won't mess up. His name is Jesus. The rest of us, we got some mess ups in front of us. So what do we do? Don't run from God, run to him. And then don't live in confidence of what you can do. Because a lot of us believe God can use us because, well, you know, I prayed this morning. You know what? I did not cuss that person out today. I did not give them the finger on 285. I know God can use me today. But notice, your confidence isn't in God, it's in your behavior. Your confidence isn't in the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, it's you living by some sort of Kurt's favorite topic, law. Although you're under grace, you only think God can use you if you live by the Ten Commandments or the 613 laws in the Old Testament. When that's not the law you live under. What do you live under now? The law of love. Love others as Jesus loves you. That's what you live under. We're not a lawless people. We still have a law, but it's the law of the Spirit. But if it's based off your performance, you'll be limited how much God can use you. Say, well, if I pray this long and I do all my confessions and I read the Bible, now those are good things you should do. It's your spiritual discipline. You do need to do those things every day. But that's not why God can use you. It's because you're open and aware. When you read about these Corinthian Christians, a whole bunch of them were a hot mess. But God used them because they believe God could. Now, don't follow some of their examples, because Paul says to some of them, y'all sin worse than the heathen. Now, that's bad. He's talking about y'all worse than the people who don't even know God. And Corinth was Las Vegas 3.0. There was a phrase back then that if you had a wild Friday night, you acted like a Corinthian. So Paul is saying, y'all acting worse than the Corinthians. But God could still move in their church services and experiences. Why? They believed they had something. Although they're still working out some issues, they believe when they came to church, they brought something. He says, how does every one of you have a word, a psalm, a teaching, a doctrine, a prophecy? How does every one of you have that? They, ha- they knew they carried something. They were aware. And through the teaching of 1 Corinthians, Paul straightened out some issues like, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. No, you said this, but that's not really true. And the teaching straightened them out. But he never told them, don't be aware. He never told them, nope, God can't use you. You know, we've created so many limitations on whom God can use. God can't use you until you graduate Bible school. That's not scriptural. Well, you can't preach until you graduate Bible school. Now, I recommend Bible schools. Because, you know, you should really know what you're preaching before you open your mouth to preach. How many know that's just a good thing? How many know you want, if you have a doctor operate on you, you want to see their certificate on the wall? 
It's like, well, I'm called to be a doctor. Well, I need some extra proof than your calling. I need to show that you've studied yourself approved. What are those certificates? Okay, I see that one and that one. Oh, is that a fake school? Is that, you know. So I'm not against Bible schools. You should go. But that's not what qualifies God to use you. That just helps you become a better weapon in God's arsenal. Because, you know, we talked about this in the online message today about the man who used to be the demoniac, the madman of Gadara, how he was delivered. He got delivered, and Jesus sent him out on a mission. He didn't send him to school. Hey, stay with me like Peter. I'm still working with Peter. Peter cussed him out in a hot second, but I'm still working with him. He didn't tell Peter and the other 11 and the other people that were with him. He told him, you go and tell others what the Lord, the supreme authority, has done for you and how he's had compassion on you. The mercy. What's the message? The authority and the love. What did he do? He told his testimony. You're anointed right now to tell your testimony. And how the authority of Jesus overcame everything that was in your life and how God loved you through it. You don't need a Bible school to tell your testimony. And as we saw two weeks ago, when you tell your testimony, there are times when the Holy Spirit says, I want something I want to add to that. And he'll prophesy through you. So you have to understand your testimony is uniquely anointed. Because the same anointing that did all those other things in your life that gave you reason to testify comes upon you again when you share your story. Giving the people who hear you an opportunity to receive the same breakthrough. So just live aware. No, you don't have to feel anointed. Because if I always waited till I felt anointed, well, we wouldn't always have experiences. Man, I've gotten up here sometimes just, I'm exhausted. Like, I remember one time a couple years ago, we had, we had to stay in a place we were longer, and so I drove through the night. And my wife already thinks I drink enough caffeine, but this is the day she's like, you need some. Because I only slept for an hour. And so I'm walking in, and, you know, she got me this, you know, the venti frappuccino with all the extra stuff. Because like, you're going to need it. And so the people in the office walk in, they saw me like, ooh. They, you know, it's bad when they can go, ooh. But they said, you walked out there. And you could never tell that you didn't sleep. What happened? It wasn't me. I'm exhausted. What happened? The anointing came on me. There are times when we're worshiping, you know, come on me and I'll be ready. Well, other times, just take it by faith. You know, when you guys say, I take. That's my point of contact. While I'm leading your confession, I'm taking whatever I need to get it to you correctly. That's my point of contact. It's a place I release my faith. You just live aware. No, I wish sometimes I felt super spiritual, super cloud nine anointed. It's, it's not every day. And sometimes some of the strongest moves that God have been in, I felt nothing. Nothing. Not a thing. Everybody else is like, oh man, it's so strong. I know it's strong because I took it by faith. Now I feel nothing. Ha ha ha. And just operating by faith. There's times I've laid hands on people. And, you know, I'm just flowing with the Spirit. I just don't mean a feeling to think. I remember this one time. And see, I think I told you guys this in the series before. Years ago when I was a staff meeting with Bishop in Texas. He was talking about the gifts of healing and how they operate. 
And then you talk about how certain people who were operating the gifts of healing punched people. You know, Smith Wigglesworth and others, they punch people and they get healed. And people's like, Smith, why are you so rough with them? He says, oh, I'm not rough with them. I'm rough with the devil and the people just get in the way. And so he's telling these stories and he's teaching, being a good pastor. And then he looks right at me. Not everybody else at the table, right at me. If you punch somebody in one of my churches, you better get it right. I'm like, why are you looking at me? Then look at the rest of the table. No, it probably would be me who would do it. So about four years later, you know, we're having a healing line. There's a man who had arthritis in his back. I'm usually not rough with people when I pray. I'm just pray for him. Before I knew it, I popped the dude in his back. He was a senior citizen. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? You do not punch people in their back who have arthritis and are senior citizens. What is wrong with you? So sometimes you know, you're operating by faith. You're having your own conversation in your head. I'm saying one thing, but my head is going, what did you just do? And you know what happened? He got healed. I was like, oh, thank God. Well, it just, just yielded. It's like I remember Jim Hockaday when he came here one time. The Lord told him to punch somebody. And he said he just heard in the back of his head uh, this voice of a Pentecostal woman who taught him so many things and said, Jimmy, whatever you do for God, do it big. And so he's thinking this dude in front of him is a huge dude. And he says, if I get it wrong, he can punch me and knock me out. So he just wound up and laid the brother out. But he was completely healed of all the stomach diseases and cancer, everything else that was in him. He yielded. Sometimes the Holy Ghost will tell you stuff that just doesn't seem like stuff you want to do. He told Jesus to spit. Come on, y'all would have a, a fit if I spit on somebody. That would go viral. I'd go more viral than Minister Dathan. He goes viral every other month. That's my joke with him. Like, up, oh, you go viral soon again. If I, if I spit on somebody? There are some people that it, Jesus spit in the ground and made mud. Do you know how much spit it takes to make mud? Dude, he could have hocked a loogie. And then he picked it up and put it on the brother's eyes. Do you know how gross that is? But he was healed. Now, I'm not telling you to go around spitting on people. That's a way today to get knocked out. But what did he do? He just yielded. So don't think God telling you to be nice to someone in the grocery store is that far of a stretch. Showing mercy to someone you're talking to over the phone is that much of a stretch. Just yield. And he'll use you. Say, I am qualified to be used by God because the glory of God is within me and upon me. And I'm here for such a time as this. Thanks for watching today. We hope today's message was a blessing to you that it empowered you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Hey, if you want to be a part of what God's doing here at Faith, you know, our vision statement is to ignite an awakening that impacts Georgia and influences the world through the power of the love of Jesus. 
and we'd love for you to be a part. You can find out our different experience times and our different locations by going to FCCGA.com. If you want to give, you can text FCCGA to 73256. You can also go to FCCGA.com to give online and be a part of what God's doing here. We'd love to see you anytime you're in our area. We believe God has something good just for you. And anytime you come to our faith experience, we believe you will experience God and his plan for your life. So thank you for tuning in today. We'll see you next time. Thank you.